I want us to continue as we walk through the scriptures and we've been dealing with prayer time in our prayer life and how to have an effective prayer life. And I know we've kind of hit some sessions and missed some because of the other things we've had going on. But I want you to turn with me, if you will, tonight in Psalm number 66 as we begin our time together. I want to read this one more time for you. And I know you've already may have it wrote down, but some of you, this may be your first night. And we've been dealing and just laying out for the last several weeks about how to have an effective prayer life and what it means to us as an individual. It's to be a relationship with our Lord Jesus. It's not a, it's not anything but that. That's all that it is, is that we're trying to build an intimate relationship that we know him. We know who he is. We know his character. We know his attributes. We know his ways. And that's what we're trying to, to get you to understand. Just kind of been walking through the Bible and trying to give you some things that will help you there as we look through the Bible and find what God's word says to us. Look with me in Psalms number 66 now. We're going to be talking about tonight for a few minutes in our time together, getting clean before the Lord. We talked about this in, in one of our sessions about the, the five different prayer types that there is. We're talked about confession, we've talked about praise, we've talked about intercession, we've talked about petition, we've talked about meditating on God's word, and now I want to just bring it down and spend a little bit of time in getting clean before the Lord, because I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we don't know where our hearts are until they're put to the test, until we allow the Holy Spirit of God to begin to work there, and to begin to look into the crevices, into the resources, and maybe to the very back of our heart. We sometimes want to just pass things off. We just want to lay it aside. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 66, verse number 18, he says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And I don't know how much more honest to be than the word of God has already declared to us that if we regard anything in our heart, then God will not hear us when, our, when there's iniquity there. And I want us to, to search that. And the Bible talks about in several places we give you the scripture before how we are to let God search our lives. And I know sometimes we get in a, in a hurry, but I hope and pray, and as you're going through this, that you're not in a hurry when you begin to pray. That you're allowing enough time, however much time you need, and we give you a little little bit of a formula of spending five minutes in each of those five categories, which around 25 minutes or so, but understand it could be longer than that. It could be less than that. And the time is not what I'm trying to get after. The point is, I want you to be there and I want you to let God do that work in your heart and in your life. And when you do that, the time will be of no essence to you. You really won't matter what that is, but you're letting God search you. I've been guilty. I'm just being very transparent. Man, I get on my knees or I begin to pray and say, Lord, here I am. If there's anything in my life, search me, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's go. Let's move on. i got things to go. And I don't allow God to search me like I really need to. Now, recently I have been. I just said, Lord, just turn on your spotlight. I'm just going to listen. And, and you just quicken me. You just touch my heart. You bring to my remembrance maybe something I've said that has, has offended somebody. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I like to... Just a little bit like we did tonight about the uh, thing and that's all right but I'm just saying but but I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings on purpose and ask God to bring stuff to my heart that I might be what I need to be but we can't regard iniquity in our heart and in our lives Jeremiah 17 verse number 9 talks about the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it and I'm telling you if you're not careful your heart will shift away from God and it'll be a gradual thing it'll be a, a slow movement 
But I'm telling you, if David in the Bible, a man after God's own heart, listen, if he fell, what makes you and I think that we can't do that? You understand his heart had shifted, and I want us to make sure that we understand that. Look with me as we go through this, and I've got several things jotted down that you don't have. It says it's important that you fully get fully right with God before you begin your prayer and petition and intercession. And there's some scripture there, and I'll let you look those up. It says in the first little bullet, people have little prayer power because they fail to practice meaningful confession on a duty on a daily basis. That should be daily there, a daily basis. And listen to me, that means every day. And 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 understand something in your life, and you'll grow to this. You just don't blanket cover your sins. Lord, forgive me my sins. You say, Lord, forgive me. I was, I was, I was rude to Brother Neil. Or, Lord, I said something that I shouldn't have said. You begin specifically naming that, what that is. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God will put his finger there and put his, his hand upon that. And then it says, the next little bullet says, a depth of power of your prayer life will never be greater than the depth of your daily confession and cleansing. And I'm telling you, if you're not clean before the Lord, I'm telling you, there won't be a whole lot of power going on. Amen. Somebody help me there. Let me give you something here now. There's five little areas uh, that we want to cover, and one of them in detail. It says a daily examination of five basic categories of potential sin. I want you to pay attention to these. We're not going to read all these scriptures tonight, but I want to give these to you, and we're going to read a few of them. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 15. Over in the New Testament to the book of Matthew, chapter number 15, if you will. Matthew 15, we're not going to read all the scripture that goes along with it for the sake of time, but go with me to Matthew chapter 15. When you find it, say, got it, preacher. Good. If you don't know where that is, I'm, and I'm serious about this statement. If you don't know where Matthew is, look it up in, your, in the front of your Bible, in the, in the context where it lists it. Get there because uh, we want you to read along with us and always do that. And I try to allow you time to, to do that. We want to talk about for a few moments tonight in this first one about the sin of thoughts and attitudes. I went to the uh, dictionary and I looked up the word attitude. I'm going to give it to you, okay? And uh, it's going <laughs> to probably get real quiet in here. But listen to me. You choose an attitude. You choose an attitude. You choose to be positive about things or you choose to be negative about it, but you choose it. Okay? It's a choice that you make. And uh, I try to stay on the upbeat side of things, okay? I try not to let a lot of things get under my skin if I can help it. I'm not perfect with that, but I'm telling you, I let a lot of it just roll off. But it's an attitude, and you choose it. When I was in the drug business years ago, they were all legal, by the way, in case you're new here. They were all legal. And uh, when I was in the drug business, we'd have these sales meetings, and our supervisors said, he's, they'd say, he's got a B.A., you know what that was? He had a bad attitude. You ever you work with some people like that? Raise your hand. You didn't raise it. All right, you work with people like that. Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. And, and I'm telling you, it does all I can do to handle that. I'm telling you, it, it, it just, I don't know if it's a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if it was, is it, it's my lack of impatience or what it is. But brother, I can't hardly get around somebody that's got a griping spirit all the time. I ain't going to be around that. Y'all, y'all, no, y'all wouldn't me either. Come on now. Come on. Now don't, you can't leave your husband or your wife. Now you got to stay with them. But I'm just telling you. I just don't like somebody to be always negative about everything. Are you listening to me? But listen to me. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you this now. 
When you get your heart right with God, you know what? Little things are just, you'll just overlook little things that really don't make a hill of beans. Instead of always all the time about something. Boy, it's quiet in here, brother Wayne. I'm not in here by myself, Emma. Okay, I'm just going, I'm just give, let me give you the definition of what attitude is. The dictionary says it's a position of the body or manner of carrying oneself as an attitude. Ooh, I've seen some of them before, have you? Are you with me? Huh? That's an attitude. Are you listening? You got your arms crossed and your eyebrows are sinking down and there's fire coming from your eyes. That's an attitude. That's a matter of position. I've seen some of that before. Are y'all listening? You have too. I mean, you know, uh, when I was growing up, my mama had a certain way to look at me. She didn't have to say a word, but brother, she could look at me the right way. And I knew exactly what that attitude was. I knew if I didn't straighten myself up, there was going to be some kingdom work going on at my house when I got home. She's going to be tearing down the kingdom. So you can do this, okay? And that's, a, that's, a, that's an attitude, and people, people read that. And then there's another one. It's a state of mind or a, or, or a feeling. Uh, it's a disposition. You can, you can have that in your mind, in your heart. You, you choose to have that positive side of things, or you can have the negative side of it, but you've chosen what it is. I'm telling you, there's, and I want you to see something in the Bible. Let's move on and look with me, Matthew chapter number 15. I'm not going to read that. Let me encourage you to go home tonight or tomorrow during your Bible study and read chapter number 15 to verse number 18 and 19. I'm telling you, Jesus knew people. And I'm telling you, there's one thing about it. I wouldn't want to ever get in an argument with Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, he see right through our heart. Here is a group of, of, of Pharisees and, and are just jumping about some things that are going on. But I want to read you something, um, and I'm, I'm going to move on with this. In verse number 8, 7 and 8 and 9, I want to read this, and you'll just have to read this later in your, in your Bible time. He can see right through their, their transparency. He sees right to the heart of the issue because their heart is desperately wicked. And he says this. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, look at this. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Boy, is that a, is that a true statement or what? I mean, we're not going to preach on that tonight, but I'm telling you, friend, there's a lot of people, they, they come in there with their mouth and on them with their lips, but I'm telling you, their heart is 10 million miles from where God would have that to be. He addresses that, and they worship, but in vain they do worship me, teaching of doctrines of commandments of men, and he gets into that. But here's where I want to go to in the attitude and the thoughts. In verse number 18, he says this, he says, but of those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from where? Say the word. Come from the heart, don't they? Okay. And it says, and they defile, they defile the man. They come from the heart. Where have the issues of life come from? What did Proverbs say that you do? You guard your heart because out of them come what? The issues of life. And Jesus is just repeating really, in essence, what Solomon said back over hundreds of years ago preceding this. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. 
murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. He said, these are where they come from. They, they, it all originates within the heart. And then what happens is it'll just, it'll just proceed out of the mouth and there it comes. But it, it started right there within the heart. And Jesus is addressing that. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to address that in, in our hearts and life, in our thoughts, in our processes, and in our attitudes. There's one thing I want to give to you, and I want us to go to number two, is that one example that I found, there's many in the Bible, but one that really just kind of struck me as I was going through this. And, and if you want to write this down, you can. In Luke chapter 15, you're dealing with the prodigal son. Do you remember when the prodigal son came home? Do you remember what happened to him? That the dad had took the fatted calf and killed the fatted calf and they had a big uh, celebration because that son that was lost is now found. The one that's been out in, just out in the world has finally come home. And do you remember? Here it is. Here is the attitude and the thoughts. Remember the older brother that come home? You remember when he come to the house, he heard of the noise that going on. And he said, hey, what's going on? And one of the guys said, hey, you, you, your brother's come home and your dad's killed the fatted calf. And I'm telling you, there's a celebration. And your brother that was dead is now alive. And your dad's excited about it. And you know what he did? The issue of his heart was he started pouting because he said, dad, you ain't never killed a fatted calf for me. I've been here all the time. You know what happened? His heart was wrong. He should have celebrated that his brother that was lost is now found brother and not settle for the calf but settle for the whole feast are y'all with me what was it his heart was wrong there was selfishness in there because dad didn't ever do that for me well get your big boy pants on be a big boy about this thing okay come on in but his heart was wrong and that's what the issue of life was because it wasn't about him it was about the other brother don't listen if somebody compliments you and gives you a word of encouragement of your singing or teaching just praise the lord say thank you brother god bless you but don't get the big head about that and because somebody didn't say something don't think that nobody's listening because you never know what god's doing in your heart in your life i'm telling you brother these times i've preached i said that didn't get no further than the first pew and somebody come out the building said brother gary i enjoyed that i said well i'm glad you did because i felt like they didn't get past that pew right there but see, I'm not the Holy Spirit. And I don't know the condition of men's hearts, okay? So that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on. Are y'all doing good? Okay. Sins of speech found in Colossians number four, verse number six. Let me just read this for you. Let your speech be always seized, or always with grace, seasoned with salt. And there's some more to that. I want you to maybe sometime to read that. But our speech is very, very important. I'll give you some um, other scriptures, and I'll just trust you'll read these where I can get through here before 8 o'clock tonight. But in James chapter number uh, 3, verses 10, chapter 4, verse 6, Matthew chapter 12, 36. And here are some examples of that. Curse or profane words, you gossip or slander, your unkind and unloving words. Getting real quiet in here. Overly critical. Something goes wrong with the sound thing. Overly critical. When your heart's right, your thoughts are going to be right. And you're going to praise God. Praise God, I got a place I can come and worship. We'll correct them things. But you ain't got to kick your floorboard out going to the house about it. People do do that, you know. Let's move on. Stick stuff under your door. Don't sign it. 
Don't put your name on it, but just sign it. And that's ministry for you. Welcome to the ministry. But you got to be careful of that. And I could preach here for, for months, but you know, when everybody leaves your presence, I've said this before, when they leave your presence, they ought to feel encouraged about their life. That you're, you're, you have given them a truth of God's word. You have helped them through truth and grace because there's a balance in both of those. And when Jesus, they threw the woman in adultery in front of Jesus. You remember what he did? He stooped down and he wrote in the dirt. You remember what he did? And he said, where's our accusers? He says, go and do what? Sin no more. He said, don't go back and live the way you're living. There's grace there, but he told her the truth about it. There's always grace and truth and there's always a balance. Jesus always did. But help somebody with the truth of it, but love them and encourage them and tell them, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right with it. Don't sin now. Don't get out there and be living in that stuff. Are y'all with me? But, but always season. All right, let's move on. Let, let me get into this. Look at number two, uh, three right here. I want to spend a little time right here. Sin relationships. It says the most common place. Now, you look at this. And we're going to examine these. The most common place we lose God's fullness is in our relationships. Now, here's five areas that are listed for you, and we're going to take them. Can you think of, any, of, a, of people you may have hurt or offended in some manner? Now, you'll have to examine that. I can't examine that for you, but you examine your own self. That is a, that's a major area that you can lose the fullness of God and not sense his presence in the prayers because, listen, there's people you may have hurt or offended in some manner, and, and you need to make sure that you allow the Holy Spirit time to lay that over your heart, and you begin to examine that, and you can't do that hitting your knees or sitting in your chair wherever you have your prayer time. Say, okay, I'm through. Let's go. You need to let God saturate your mind and heart and, and help you to make sure that that number one thing there has has not happened in your life, okay? Matthew 5, 23 and 24 talks about that. Look at number two, if you will. The word should be bitter and not better, okay? I, I thought I, I called myself reading through this quickly, but anyway, are you bitter or holding grudges against people who have offended you? Okay, you have to examine that in your life. It will hinder your relationship with God. I'm gonna tell you something, church. It will hinder your worship. It will hinder you coming to this building on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or Wednesday night when we gather together. It will hinder your worship toward God if people, you've hurt people or offended them in some manner and you've not got that corrected. Or if you've done number one, but number two, you're holding a grudge or you're bitter against something or somebody's offended you and you walk around with a chip on your shoulder. I'm telling you, you're not going to enjoy the presence of the Lord in this service. You're going to go through the motions and leave here probably the same way that you come in there. That's why you prepare your heart when you enter these doors before Sunday. You're getting your heart ready to receive the Word of God and that it, the Word of God will radically change your life. And I know what some of you are going to say, but you don't understand how they've done that. I don't understand it. But I'm telling you, you can get past that. I'm not neglecting your hurt. I'm not trying to be disingenuous to what's happened in your life. Please don't misunderstand the statement. But I'm telling you, you let that thing well on you and eat on you, and it'll sap every joy of God's presence in your life, and you'll just run around here messed up most of the time. 
Look at, look at the bold statement I put in there for you. Remember that forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Because you say, well, I'm going to wait and I feel like forgiving them. You won't never do it, bud. And you're going to drag them around with you the rest of your life. What do you mean? They've, whoa, that's bright. They've offended you and you're dragging them just like this. And all of a sudden that reminds you of something. You know what they did. And you actually, in your mind, pull them out of that cage. Get back in there. Boy, you're as quiet in here. <laughs> you drag them everywhere you go, buddy. And the next time something, and you sitting at lunch and thinking about that thing, and you just drag them out there. <laughs> you think I'm being silly. I know where some of you been. I've been there myself. When people have hurt me in ministry years ago, I'm telling Brother Neil, it was some deep cuts in my heart. But you know what I did? I chose to let it go, man. I chose to get it right, ask forgiveness, and hey, just be free as a bird and go on. Well, Brother Gary, they didn't forgive me. That's their problem. It ain't mine. Because it's a choice that you choose to forgive somebody. And, and you've got freedom of that. Let me, I want you to write this down. There's a book I recommend to you get. It's called Total Forgiveness. Write the, that name down. Total Forgiveness. And it's by R.T. Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, R.T. Kendall, Total Forgiveness. Write that book or write that name down. And if, if you just need to methodically work through it and it gives you about forgiveness. And uh, Matthew chapter 6 deals with that. And I want you to read that for later on if you will. But let me give you something. When you get forgiveness and ask forgiveness of somebody, please let that go. Okay, if I ask and I use, I pick on Brother Neil because he's got a good spirit about it. But if I ask him to forgive me, you know what I need to do? Never ask him to let me do that. Never ask for that again. And him to accept my apology and I accept his and never make that an issue again. Are you listening to me? Let me give you some personal stuff. Most of y'all know that several, many years ago now, 30 plus years ago, my mom and dad divorced. Years ago, 30 plus years ago now. And I told you, in case you were not here, it's been some months ago now, that dad came to my house, I believe, I want to think it was last Father's Day, I'm not exactly sure, and uh, came up for service, and we had lunch at the house, and then we, he said, come, come out here, I want you to show me something on this porch. Well, I knew something, was, I said, something's up here. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know something's going on. So we got up and went outside and we walked around the house. And he said this. He said, son, do you forgive me for breaking up our home 30 plus years ago? Do you forgive me for that? And I said, dad, I have forgiven you that for years and years and years ago. I said, that's over and behind as far as I'm concerned. And I, and I asked him this question. I said, have I, gave, have I indicated in my actions or anything that I have not forgiving you? He said, no, 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 no. I said, well, I just want to make sure I haven't portrayed that in an attitude or, uh, you know, standing there with your hands crossed. You know what I mean? He said, no, I, I, no, you've not done that, but I just, I just want to make sure that you're, that, I, I, I mean, listen, it, it, for years he's been dragging that around with him. I said, dad, it's okay. It's okay. When, um, 
Willard and Wilmer and Howard Addington and some of them had just passed away within a small window of each other like a couple of weeks. I'm telling you, it just, it just ripped my heart. You know what I did? That Monday after uh, Wilmer's funeral, I went, to the, I went to the phone that night and I picked up the phone. And I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm going to tell you something. He said, what, man? What's going on? I said, I want you to know something. He said, what? I said, I love you with all of my heart. And I want to thank you for supporting me in ministry for all of these years. And you'll come when I'm preaching sometimes. And when I was years ago and young in ministry, I mean, he'd come when I'm preaching at some church. They, they would come. And I said, I want to tell you, I love you. And I thank you for supporting me and encouraging me all these years of ministry. And I appreciate it so much. And I love you. And you know, the next thing out of his mouth was, he said, son, even though I've destroyed our home and our family, you still forgive me? I said, dad, that's been settled a long time ago. The forgiveness is there. Are you listening to me? Receive it, okay? And go on with it, all right? That's just a personal story. But you got to work through that stuff. But receive it. Let's go on. Let me show you something else here. Notice number three there. Are you involved in improper relationships? First Thessalonians 5 and 22 said to abstain from the appearance of evil. And I don't know where you work, what you do at work. But I'm telling you, you need to abstain from things that look getting too close to somebody of the opposite sex at work. Amen? Are you listening to me? That's, that can hinder your relationship, it can hinder what's going on in your life, in your prayer life. Look at number, number four. I'm going to preach on this one in a minute. Not to you guys, but y'all send the tapes out to whoever need them. Amen. Do you neglect regular fellowship and meaningful service through your church? I want to read this to you. And I want you to read it with me. So go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number uh, 10, if you will. It's right there. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me read this for you. Because this can hurt, this can hinder your fullness of your relationship. You can lose God's uh, fullness in your life if you've got some of these in your areas of your life. And I don't know if you do, but I'm just giving you a checklist here. Number four is you neglect your regular fellowship and meaningful service through your church. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me in verse number uh, 25, what the Bible says. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And there's a warning here that you don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, the priority of your life and your Christian faith should be the assembling of the body of Christ together at 8.45 on Sunday morning for Sunday school, 10 o'clock worship, 5 o'clock church training, at 6 o'clock evening worship, and 4 o'clock when we have the choirs and whatever else. It's your responsibility not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I'm not preaching to y'all because you're here. But I'm telling you, where's everybody else? 
What's so important on a Sunday night that they can't come to God's house? I know some may be sick in the nursing home. I'm not talking about that crowd. I'm talking about them as at the house right now at 7 o'clock almost with the feet propped up watching uh, 60 minutes or whatever's on Sunday night. What's more important than getting together with God's people to exhort one another and to love? Tell me in the name of heaven what's more important than that? What is? Nothing. Nothing. Unless you've got sickness, I understand. You're working, I understand. But, I, but other than that, listen, our, our, our responsibility, and that can hinder God's work and presence in our life when we forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Thought I'd throw that in for free. Are you a spectator rather than a participant? Do you receive but seldom give and just soak up everything here and don't ever give anything in return? Have you become a permanent visitor who never gets plugged in? And, and I know you don't do this, but I've seen them over years of ministry. They go from church to church to church to church to church to church. And I mean, and, 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 and two months are here, two months are there, two months are over there. You will never learn anything that way, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be so confused in a termite in doctrine. You won't know what in the world's going on because there's no establishment in your life. And it's like the old boy that's flicking the flicker. It took him seven years. He never let it stay on the television so long. It, never, it took him seven years to figure out how to spell Rolades, what it meant, R-O-L-A-D-E. He finally figured that out when he finally got to the end of it. But that's what I'm saying. You stay put and get under God's word and put that in your heart and life, not bouncing all over the countryside. I just get mad. I go somewhere else. Well, I don't want to pop your bubble balloon, but you're going to find somebody else that's going to aggravate you at the next place you go. They just have a different name, okay? It may not be birth or better than you, but it'll be somebody. Are y'all with me? Just checking. Look at number five. Well, this one's good. I got to hurry. Are your family relationships consistent with God's word? Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them, the Bible says. Wife, love your husband. Be under subjection to him. And then it says, children, hey, parents, this is for you. <laughs> Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You ought to have underlined that one. I like that one. You heard the preacher. But listen, if your relationship's not right at home, what makes you think it's going to be right down here? Can I give a word to all you over here? One day, and all you that are out here too, but one day in the near future, you've got hopes and dreams of getting married. I'm sure you do. But listen to me. You listen to your preacher. You make sure that that person that you're about to, to, to link up with is following God. Girls, listen to me. You listen to your preacher. I'll save you a lot of heartache if you'll listen to me. If that man is not following the Lord, I wouldn't even consider what was going on. I would never go that far. If he's not following God and has the biblical discipline in his life to follow, the, he's, you've got to, listen, he's going to be the leader of your home. And if he's not following the Lord, who's he following then? He's following somebody. And I'm telling you, you're headed for some heartache if you don't find a, a, a man that's going to follow the Lord Jesus and give you, listen, the leadership in his life that he's allowed to learn over. I'm just trying to help you now. And guys, when you find a girl, listen, if she, listen, you know where her heart be? It ought to be toward the Lord. When I found Miss Terry, her heart was toward the Lord. 
I thought she was pretty, but I'll tell you on top of that, I'm telling you, that old girl, she was in church every Sunday morning, Sunday night. She didn't miss a time. And when I went to date her, that one time she wasn't even there. She had to go to a funeral. I said, good gracious, that's about the way it works in my life. You know why, why we got, listen, she had the same heart I did. You hear me? I'm just trying to save you some heartache. You look at me and say, you're a fuddy-duddy. I'll tell you what, it'll save you a lot of heartache in your life. Get quiet in here. But I'm just giving the truth. Find the, the individuals that follow Christ. Amen. Let me give you this. Look at number four. I've got to hurry with this. We've got one to baptize, praise the Lord. Number four on the back side of your sheet should be. The sins of commission and transgression and Commission is using, I'm using the word of the act of committing is the, one of the meanings of that word. Sins of doing something wrong and breaking God's law, you can see what they are. Adultery, fornication, stealing, dishonesty. Understand, these are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. The 17th manifestation of the flesh. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. But remember what it's doing. Remember something. It's, it's, it may be hindering your prayer life. It may be hindering your prayer time. And then sins of omission, sins that we, we fail to obey God and Christ's command to conform to his character and his image. And we could go to James in Proverbs 28. For examples, we neglect our Bible reading and prayer. We fail to witness neglecting worship and Bible study, not giving to the church. There's a list that goes on and on and on. These are sins of omission. It hinders our worship and our time. And understand when the plates come by, you know what that is? It's a form of worship. It's a joy to give to God's service. Amen. So I just wanted you to see some of these. And I want you to see something on the, the last little paragraph I put there for you. I don't want you to be discouraged with this. Because I know you say, good gracious, Brother Gary. I thought if I got saved, everything would be hunky-dory. It is hunky-dory. But I'm telling you, it, 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 it's, 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 it calls to be a Christian. It calls to be a good one. Because there's disciplines in your life, and, there's, and let God build character in your life. And when you do, there's a great price to be paid. I'm telling you, Brother Wayne, the other night, Sunday night, when we started Bible school last week, and Brother Tim and Brother Jerry Barnes and Brother Ralph, I wish you could have heard their messages and the scripture they were given. But when it talks about taking up that cross, you know what it is? It's laying yourself on that cross and saying, I'm going to be what I need to be that that individual person may be and come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you're taking up that cross. And you know what you're doing? You're dying for them. You're dying for them. So that they may know about what salvation or forgiveness or what's in their life. Amen. Don't be discouraged. But just get clean before the Lord. Amen.